0: there's a wait period. You don't just walk in and walk straight in like Best Buy and go straight to the TVs. It doesn't doesn't really work that way. That is a point for education. That is a moment when somebody's gonna be anxious, they're gonna be nervous, they're gonna not know what to do, and they're gonna immediately look around and go, what can I look at? And that is exactly in your business where you have a chance to begin that journey with that customer.
1: You're listening to To Be Blunt, the podcast for cannabis marketers, where your host Shada Tarabi and her guests are trailblazing the path to marketing, educating and professionalizing cannabis. Light one up and listen up. Here's your host, Shada Tarabi. Hello, listeners. Welcome to Episode 9. I'm your host, Shada Tarabi, and I'm bringing you a new episode and quite possibly one of my favorite conversations to date. Jeremy Jacobs is the CEO of Enlighten, a Kentucky-based cannabis technology company that operates in over a thousand dispensaries nationwide and growing. And chances are you've seen Enlighten at work in your favorite dispensary. The company offers technology solutions that include interactive signage to inform and educate customers to tailored marketing solutions for product brands. But Enlightened does so much more, and Jeremy really is a pioneer for the intersection of technology and cannabis to provide a truly educational experience, leaving cannabis consumers and brands confident and ready for more. Let's welcome Jeremy to the show.
0: Thanks for having me on the show, first and foremost. A great time listener, and so it's excellent to get to be a part of that. So I'm Jeremy Jacobs. I'm the founder and CEO of Enlighten. Enlighten is one of the largest digital technology companies in the cannabis space. Uh, I've been in digital technologies long before I was in the cannabis space. A company called Iconic that makes digital signage, digital menus, and interactive kiosks. Uh, and does that for a variety of uh, essentially every industry other than cannabis. And so that's where I came from. And, you know, sort of the the genesis or the, the beginnings of the story of Enlighten really starts off uh, about six and a half years ago when I got a call from a guy that worked for me in my other business and said, hey, I've got a friend getting ready to open a cannabis dispensary recreationally, dank, and it was Justin Jones. And and his partner, Greg Gamut in Denver, Colorado, and said, what do you think about making digital menus and interactive self-service kiosks and digital signage and things like that for the cannabis industry? And I got to tell you, I mean, I've been a lifelong advocate, so I was enormously excited about that. It was probably my favorite phone call I've ever had. And so that's sort of where it began. And so what happened next, uh, we started to look at the space and industry and say, what's missing? Well, at that point, basically everything was missing. I mean, they just were firing up the entire industry, a lot of professional services company that make software, that make technology, that do marketing. Uh, there's so many regulations and so many rules. No one that are you know crowned champions, per se, outside of cannabis was moving into the space. And so we immediately began to provide our professional services from a software standpoint. But the big thing we focused, and, and I know a lot of – this podcast is about marketing. And one of the biggest things that we, we discover is what everyone else has discovered is that you can't market traditionally at that time. You couldn't use billboards. You still can't use TV. Uh, you know, all of these avenues that marketers have been using as long as they've been around are unavailable to marketers inside of cannabis. So one of the first things we noticed was that we could concentrate on on cannabis consumers at point of purchase. And so our first real serious mission that we got behind it, in the light, and we have a lot of missions now, but our first big mission was to build a television network at point of purchase where the consumers are making buying decisions. And now that network is uh, somewhere around 1200, 1300 different dispensaries across the United States of America, I think is where the count is, it's hard to keep track of. And in totality, we produce about 3 billion annual advertising impressions it's specifically at cannabis consumers at point of purchase. And so you know, that's, that's what most people know Enlighten for. Enlighten has grown beyond that now. We've also secured space digitally on websites and connected TVs and other properties that will allow cannabis advertisements. And so we're beginning to offer those digital services. And that all falls under our marketing side. And then we have a retail side we have developed now where we offer those online ordering and in-store self-service kiosks and TV menus And a huge amount of services to the retail clients as well. And so, you know, depending on who you are, whether you're a dispensary owner or a brand, you know a different Enlightens. The brands know the marketing Enlighten that helps them reach consumers. And I think the retailers know the retail solutions Enlighten that provides their technology. So that's really what we've grown to. But it all started with a phone call saying, what do you think about making some of this technology for a weed shop? And I said, well, an incredible journey we've been on since.
1: I think it's so disruptive what you've done. And obviously you come from an industry that it's very practical, accessible technology. It seems like it's explored in all these other different facets, but cannabis just hadn't one. The industry obviously is super new and infant. And so I just think that the capabilities weren't really there for people to take advantage of. Um, But I think it's really cool that you saw an opportunity to kind of pivot and apply that for the cannabis industry, because it really is the wild, wild west. I was listening to some of the other interviews that you've done and you describe, you know, when you first were launching Enlighten, especially in Denver, especially in the rec market, just becoming, you know, the first legal rec market in the United States, the, maybe it was like the posture of who you thought the consumer was and the type of content that they wanted. So I read somewhere that it was more lifestyle content versus now you're transitioning to more educational content. And so I don't know if there's anything
0: you want to kind of touch on that. I don't think we were wrong about who the initial consumer was. It's a lifestyle. I mean, you're probably one of them and I'm one of them. You know, the early adopters, early consumers, we were adopting cannabis probably before it was legal. Uh, You know, and so uh, I don't think we were necessarily really wrong about that cannabis consumer that, you know, wanted flashy lights and lifestyle videos and, and that whole sort of thing that High Times did for years and that a lot of the magazines and publications have done. But we quickly saw that as soon as cannabis was legal, it attracted an entirely different marketplace. And, you know, I don't know how much you follow the statistics of who this cannabis consumer is and who it who changing to be, but very quickly it went from the 26 year old male, uh, you know, to the 40 year old mother of two kids it's a soccer mom and then shortly after that the fastest growing segment in cannabis are seniors and why wouldn't it be most of these seniors grew up in the 70s it's you know as soon as it was legal they didn't have any hurdles that they needed to overcome they know exactly how this works and now we can't go to jail for it and I remember how much it helped me back then and so they're adopting it again and so I don't think we were necessarily wrong per se about the cannabis consumer I think that just very quickly America embraced well not even America humans embrace the idea that this plant should have never been illegal it has a huge amount of healing properties as well as some really fun recreational properties and we're going to give it a try as part of our lifestyle and so the cannabis consumer evolved from the 26 year old kind of stoner male into everyone and it happened really fast and so we followed that trend and what we found is that these consumers you know they, they might have smoked some pot when they were in high school or whatever you know I smoked my fair share and your fair share and the other person's fair share but I didn't know anything about it because there wasn't any information you know reefer madness right it, it makes people rape other people that's all you ever knew growing up in your dare program said it's a gateway drug you'll you'll be on smack before the end of the week and none of these things are true. And so where is this education? What is the difference between the veg stage and the flowering stage? What does any of this mean? What is a terpene? And no one knows, and we found that the more people acquired this education, the more comfortable they became, but not only that, the more picky and choosy they become and the higher margin items they buy and the more particular they are. And it's, you know, sort of like bourbon. You find types of brown liquor you like and, and, you know, there's Woodford Reserve out there and then there's Jack Daniels and there's whatever. It's the same way with cannabis. And so the more knowledge that we put into the marketplace, the more people embrace this as a real lifestyle.
1: I think you are touching on something that I personally have witnessed myself both as a consumer, just a fan of the plant, and also now as a business owner in this space. It's exciting because the traditional kind of picture of what a cannabis consumer is being eradicated, both Mm -hmm. from a stigma perspective and also just from an acceptance perspective. I mean, the types of consumers who walk through my doors are, like you described, you know, the mom of two, the, you know, 65 plus elderly person who's being prescribed X, Y, or Z medications and is looking for a plant-based alternative. Now, of course, in my state, marijuana is not legal. So we're playing specifically with hemp and CBD products. But I think to paint, you know, the bigger picture of what's happening in America, I think it's really exciting. And so your business really meets consumers in an interesting intersection because I find that it's almost a subliminal awareness. Again, I think when I was opening up the interview, you know, reflecting on all the dispensaries I've been to, while I'm a Texan, I have traveled a lot and gone to a lot of legal yeah. states, done a lot of research, you know, firsthand. Right. And I remember, it's you know, research, research, <laughs> exactly. Right. It's always research, and I remember, and I'm recalling certain experiences where you know you walk in and there's these nice big digital displays, or maybe you're in the waiting room and there's a screen and it's rotating content, facts, if you will, um, trivia, things like that. That's and so a- I know that, that's yeah, us. that's exactly what your business is doing, and so to be able to put two and two together again from a consumer perspective who's observing it and has gained a lot of subliminal knowledge, perhaps it's fair to say. Like I don't think I was really paying attention to what was happening, but I think that's the trick and that's the magic in your service is by being able to give people these little opportunities to connect with the plant and to connect with the experience, that particular dispensary perhaps. And so I'm kind of low-key geeking out because as a marketer, you just want people to walk away with some sort of resonance and I forget the exact number of touch points, but I think it's seven touch points a consumer has to interact with a particular brand before they make a loyalty decision or they make a purchase or whatever it is. And so I think what you're doing allows brands to weave that into the experience of retail. And yeah, just to further add to that too, I mean, I'm sure state to state, you've seen maybe a different type of brand, different types of dispensaries, adopting your products. And so I don't know if there's anything that you want to say. I know you come from a lot of statistics. So I love that that is something that you're going to be sharing with our listeners. Sure.
0: So to circle back real quick on a a statement that you made, uh, you can probably tell me which U.S. president grew cannabis. That was likely one of the first trivia questions you saw was George Washington. But you're right about the subliminal thing. And to touch a little more specifically on that before I touch on the states and the variances there and the different types of environments I've seen, You know, this is a story I tell people all the time. So I remember, you know, as growing up as a child, I remember the first set of headphones I ever got. I grew up very poor. And so the Dollar Tree was the only place I really got to shop, if you will. I can have anything I want in the whole store because it's a dollar. And I had these little dollar headphones and I remember what they were like. And, you know, I thought it was great that I could hear music. You know in my, my headphones, and then one day somebody gave me a, a better pair of headphones to try on, and I, and my mind was blown I was like, "Wow, that sounds more realistic and so the more I learned about audio the more expensive things got to all of a sudden I'm buying a $250 pair of bows with noise canceling and all these things. And this could be true about any of your hobbies. It could be true about golf. And you know, I'm from Kentucky. It's true. I, I, I shoot gun competitions and things like that. And it's true about those things. And the more you learn about something, the more invested you become in it and the more money you spend. So as brand marketers, like it's part of your job, to educate these consumers because the more educated they are they stop buying the dollar tree headphones and they're buying the 250 dollars bows and so what does that translate into cannabis they stop saying what's the cheapest thing on your shelf which is the first thing they ask when they walk in or what's the highest potency like they don't understand that everybody's body interacts differently with cannabis and what might be you know, high potency for one person doesn't have the same effect on others and they need that education. And once they get that, they're coming in and going, I know that this specific terpene does this one thing for me that I really like. So show me what you've got that's got that specific terpene in it because that's what I'm looking for. And now they're spending $180 instead of 30 bucks and you're trying all sorts of new products driven around that particular terpene. And that's what happens And that's the thing I try to educate brands, It's the thing I try to educate retailers about. Think about your own life. Think about a hobby that you have or a lifestyle that you've got and think about the first thing that you bought. It was the cheapest one, but that's not true anymore. And so it's your responsibility. As retailers and as, as brand people to guide that journey, in, you know, and that's what Enlighten tries to do for brands and retailers. And it doesn't matter what state or what side of the business you're on, we have tools that enable people to do that, because that's where the real transformation and consumer habits are going to come from. The faster you give them this knowledge, the faster they find what they really enjoy, and they stay with it. And so, Uh, your question though was about the, the variances between states let me tell you something if there ever was a challenge inside of cannabis beyond the fact that there's not a lot of information out there it's that literally 33 states have 33 completely and entirely different sets of regulations and i'll give you one example that's like a challenge so in alaska you're not allowed to put anything on a tv screen that would be considered medical advice in any way, shape, form, or fashion. It's just not allowed. They do not view that there's knowledge out there that could be medically based. So it cannot be medically based. So you got to, when you're putting things on a screen in Alaska, you got to keep that in consideration. Then you move to Pennsylvania, which, you know, are definitely other parts of the country, for sure. They could not hardly get any farther apart. But they're also not any farther apart on cannabis, because in Pennsylvania, I'm not allowed to put anything on the screen that I don't have some sort of medical backing for. So the only thing you can put on the screen are medically based statements. And, you know, that's just one example. Uh, and, 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 you know, you've, you've went and done your research. And so you've been in a multitude of dispensaries. They're all very different, you know. And, but what it really boils down to and where the commonalities are in all of them is there's some sort of period where you're waiting for a moment. You're in a waiting room, you're trying to check into the dispensary and you got to scan your ID and put you in the system and depends on what state it is in Colorado, they can't put you in the system because the privacy advocates were very involved in the legislation there. And, you know, other states, you're required to go in the system. But Whatever that case is, there's a wait period. You don't just walk in and walk straight in like Best Buy and go straight to the TVs. It doesn't, doesn't really work that way. That is a point for education. That is a moment when somebody's going to be anxious, they're going to be nervous, they're going to not know what to do, and they're going to immediately look around and go, What can I look at? And that is exactly in your business where you have a chance to begin that journey with that customer. And we walk in dispensaries, you know, we're in 1300, but apparently there's 7,300. So there's 6,000 dispensaries that I haven't had a chance to say, hey, you're missing these opportunities here to educate these customers, whether it's with a digital screen, a kiosk or whatever that is, you're missing this education point is what you're missing. And so, you know, for me, the state by state thing is definitely a challenge for content. It definitely creates different layouts and formats. For dispensaries, and you know, certain things are allowed in some states; uh, things are not allowed in other states. Uh, you, some of them, you can put the products out in front of people. Other ones, they have to be back here. It's it's all very different. But at the end of the day. You stick somebody inside of a retail environment, especially with a wait period, they don't just want to constantly be plugged into the products. And so having some sort of technology resource to guide them to information has just absolutely undeniably proven to improve that customer experience, improve those basket sizes, and just improve the overall sense that they have of your organization because you're not just here like a swap meet trying to sell them things. You're invested in them. And so as far as challenges from state to state, our products are universal. People want education, period. We have a multitude of products to use to deliver that education.
1: Yeah, with the state to states, it's just so fascinating. I think people don't realize that it's so fragmented mm-hmm. and there's, like it's challenges, but it's par for the course. So it's not something that we can't deal with or overcome. But I think when you're a marketer and you're trying to navigate, and so for anybody listening, you know, whether you're a direct-to-consumer brand or you're in a legal state and you're trying to wholesale and be in dispensaries, or, you know, you're at any of the different tiers of all these other types of entrance points into the industry, it's just thinking of, you know, what is your unique product and why, and how are you going to get that in front of the consumer and what's your ultimate goal? So-
0: There's a few states to kind of chisel back into that a little bit, because I did come up with something you know, while you're sitting and talking that I do hate. So we now have the technology to be able to identify the consumers that visit your store and have seen the advertisements. And you made a point a while ago, you said seven touch points to activate a consumer for a brand. But the the point is it's multiple touch points. And so we know if we're running an advertisement in the store, we know how long the loop is we've got, and we know how long people are in the store. So we're going to garner somewhere between two two and four impressions while we're there. And once a customer leaves, we're able to offer our customer, the brands or the retailers, the ability to retarget those people via their mobile devices. But some states won't let us do that. And so that is a challenge because that brand story continuation, it should start at point of purchase. That is a magic moment to start that people's minds are on the right things They're thinking about cannabis because they're in a cannabis dispensary. But we oftentimes, and with most of our clients, we continue that story into their digital world away from the dispensary. And then when they come back, that story completes again. And, and in some States, you know, for whatever reason, they have just disallowed, uh, digital marketing campaigns. And, you know, in addition to the challenges that you have with finding publishers, which we've done a really great job of finding really great publishers to put those ads on some top tier names. Uh, but you know, some States don't allow that. So that is a challenge that maybe I didn't mention a moment ago, but once you, you know, we're talking about the number of impressions and that is a hurdle. That's something that we as marketers, I think need to fight against quite honestly. So why is it that I can't target someone that I know for a fact has been in a cannabis dispensary to buy cannabis, why can I not send them a message on their phone? What is is that about? And so we should fight against that.
1: Well, especially as the laws are shifting and hopefully more in our favor, but as you know, not always in our favor, it just creates such a disconnected experience because I want to believe that every brand operating in this space is wanting to operate out of integrity, right? Sounds like you and I are on the same page in terms of educating consumers. I Mm -hmm. sit in a position of, I want someone, whether they purchase my product or not, to walk out of the experience at my dispensary with trust, knowledge, and comfort. Meaning, was the environment welcoming? Did you feel safe? Did you feel like you had people who were knowledgeable about what they were selling or what they were educating you? Did you feel you know, like you walked away with something that made you more positive about the plant than negative? And why I'm so excited about that experience is because that person is the voter, right? That person is the advocate. they're voting with their dollars, they're voting with their voices and their time. And then I also think the happy consumer experience, they're the best marketing tool that I believe brands have. Absolutely. And so when you start to empower the consumer, so, you know, my brand, we haven't adopted enlightenment to our dispensary. And I love saying dispensary, even though we're not legally a dispensary, but one day maybe Texas will shift, but we operate one location. And so, you know, for us, we do have a visual screen in our sure. office and it rotates specials. That was a decision that we kind of observed, I think on a lower, you know, successful level than compared to like what you're operating at. But like, Hey, if we have this screen, we can control some of our own messaging. We're also kind of going through the evolution of realizing my sisters and I are these experts and we've built a brand around our personalities and our expertise in the industry. Sure. And so consumers want to come in and hear from us. Now we're trying. They want to talk to me. And so I'm trying to figure out how do I step myself back and scale my brand so I can still provide that level of education because, when you go look video. through all my reviews. Yes, exactly. People are are commenting. I walked into restart CBD and I left with more knowledge than I ever expected. The girls were friendly. They knew what they were talking about. It gave me confidence. And it's not that I'm selling a superior cannabis product. I'm going to admit I'm probably not, you know, we're but I have a
0: superior education and service.
1: Yes, exactly. And so I think that's where brands are going to need to start understanding and differentiating themselves. Like, yes, there's this huge Opportunity to be in cannabis from a financial perspective, but there's also this huge societal pressure to deliver to hopefully help destigmatize what you know noise has been happening with this plant for these past you know decades. So, I just like to connect the dots too for consumers and you you know, helping them be educated. And so I hope brands really take that to heart and, and can listen and learn from brands like yourself who are really obviously leading the charge by equipping these dispensaries with relevant technology that helps them understand who's coming in their doors, but then also the content. And so I don't know if there's anything you want to add on that, but I would like to dive into, you have a Canna TV channel, Tell me about that channel, what it is. So CCTV,
0: Cannabis Club TV. CCTV,
1: that's right. Yeah,
0: so uh, there's a company called CCTV that was somewhat of a competitor of ours within the space. They did similar things to what we did, but different. Uh, They did have screens in dispensaries, but they also have an OTT over the top media play where there was a channel a lot of lifestyle based content you can go to cannabisclub.tv right now and there's I think 185 plus channels of content producers just like yourself we need to get you on the channel uh, and it's a big destination you know and you get your own channel and and just it's a way for us to put that content in a platform where it's not charged it's all aggregated and consumers businesses there's channels for everything on there every major media company in cannabis has a channel on our platform, but it is cannabisclub.tv. You can view it on the internet. You can view it on your mobile device. You don't have to go to a dispensary, which is a little bit different than Enlighten. Enlighten is a in dispensary network. Uh, and it's been around for a long time. A guy named Danny Keith founded the company years ago. And uh, recently we, we acquired cannabis club TV and are and glad to have it in a family and are constantly looking for content producers like yourself that have, just have good stuff out there uh, that we can put in front of viewers. Absolutely.
1: So do you use that content in the dispensaries or is that separate? Like I'm trying to paint a picture in my head. Maybe I have a channel and it's obviously on this network and that network provides a broader reach than if I was just publishing those videos, perhaps on YouTube or Vimeo. But then also I'm wondering if I was leveraging Enlighten, can I display my own educational
0: content? Sure. So yeah, within Enlighten, there's multiple different packages that are available and there's a lot of different options within those packages. We have a model that is completely free for dispensaries. Uh, it's very ad-based and ad-driven. So obviously if it's free, somebody's got to pay for it. Uh, and so it's completely ad-based. Even with that option though, when you put that in your dispensary, you have a choice between educational content, lifestyle content, or a blend of that content. And that's really what CCTV brought to us is they brought you know, back some lifestyle content because their lifestyle content is very different than maybe what we originally were looking at six and a half years ago. It's it's really good and up with the times. And so you can have a blended version. And to answer your question more specifically about uh, you know, could I put my own content up? Yeah, we, we as a, a digital signage network operator have lots of different options to where it could be as much of your stuff and, and little of ours or vice versa. So there's just a lot of different ways in each dispenser we work with, there's a different scenario. I want to circle back real quick, if we could. You made a statement earlier and you keep triggering my brain. I'm enjoying this conversation a lot. You're talking about the stigma. And so, you know, and you're talking about how the stigma gets reduced as we move forward and we educate people. One of the stigmas that I've noticed is the biggest stigma. And, I, and I, it's a question for you now. Now the is being interviewed. I, I noticed that so much we spent, you know, like 200 some thousand dollars building a mobile marijuana dispensary in an RV. It's got two slides it's called the cannabis. I noticed that people are under some sort of false impression still that marijuana shops are these dark dungeony places and there's Jimi Hendrix posters on the wall and black lights and the only thing that's playing in there is Jerry Garcia and the Grateful Dead. Are you are you experiencing that still as well, that even though we're six and a half years down the road, that people are like, oh my, I didn't think it would look like this when they walk in the door? Do you still see that?
1: Oh, 100%. It's funny. I mean, there's so many things that are stimulating my mind too. I started really observing it state-to-state difference as well. I notice a lot of the dispensaries in California are much more luxe. They are very conscious of their colors. They're very conscious of the smell, the way that it feels when you walk in it's not so much about the education. I think that's a component, but it's more the overall experience, the design, exactly. They want to end. be
0: the Apple store. That's what they Exactly.
1: Want. Versus I find in Denver, you get a little bit maybe more of the, weed is legal. I have a storefront. <laughs> Let's start selling. Okay, go. And, you know, I don't mean to be so erratic, <laughs> but I feel that's kind of what I feel. And, and I say this as somebody, it, again, It's a little
0: grudgier, for sure. Who's
1: gone to both states often and shopped with, you know, both experience. And so not that there's not the in-between in both states, but I definitely think that a traditional American consumer has a picture painted and it's so fascinating to me. And I think you said it earlier, so I'll just kind of come around to it. As somebody who smoked pot for a lot of years- I had no idea what an endocannabinoid system was. Yes. I didn't know what CBG or delta 8 were. I just wanted to get stoned cuz I liked the way it made me feel. Right. And so now I think you're having a much more cautious consumer, rightfully so. You know, you should want to know what's going on in your body and I think diets uh, like paleo, keto, Whole30 have paralleled this time in our life where you're having consumers who care about the quality. They want to have some sort of association to the brands they're purchasing from. They want some sort of social mission. And so being able to tie all of that into that experience, I think is shifting. But man, I I mean, I meet people every day who come into my store who are so surprised. And I think we Mm -hmm. as a Texas brand have tried to air more on the upscale experience because I wanted people to feel safe and comfortable. I didn't want them to feel like they're going into a dungeon, but I do find that people are very surprised when they walk into my shop, at least like they're taken aback, like, Oh, I was expecting, you know, this to be a dark dungeon. Now I will say when we first launched hemp flower was not explicitly legal in Texas.
0: Sure.
1: And as the CBD market has evolved, hemp flower has become a very big, Uh, revenue stream for Texas cannabis brands, myself included, my brand included. And when we first launched, we were very cautious of the smell of cannabis in our store and tried to erase it by spraying things. And now we welcome it. And so people walk in the store and they immediately are met with this like, you know, sweet tangy scent of the plant. They also see, you know, the nice white displays that I have. I think it's kind of helping people evolve on an experiential level too of like, oh, this is not what cannabis is anymore. And it just for me, ties all back to, you know, the control of the media and reefer madness and like how, how that has controlled people's minds for so long. And now we're having to overwork and educate them.
0: Yeah, so one of the things, and this ties all of this back in, you know, as brand ambassadors, if you will, in cannabis, both for retailers and brands, enlighten part of what we try to do when we're working with maybe a newer brand or a dispensary that we see maybe hasn't quite got that concept is to educate them and to say, guys, the quicker you look very mainstream, like every other store they shop at, or the quicker your brand starts to sort of resemble the kinds of things that they're used to consuming, the quicker they're gonna latch on to you, then that's the idea behind that. And I feel like a lot of, uh, you know, in the beginning, every logo had a pot plant, all of them. You know, they, basically the entire cannabis industry was the same logo. Every single brand used the word green in it. I searched my database one day, the company names for the word green, and I think it returned back like 60% of everything in my database contained the word green. And so, you know, now we're moving away from that, you know, a lot more. And there were a few words like uh, uh, green caregiver, uh, you know, several different, different words, but we're moving away from that and we're, we're moving more mainstream. And what I'm not indicating is do I think cannabis needs to sell out and not still be cannabis. Right. What I am indicating is cannabis can be cannabis and still be professional. You know, that's a thing. And so, you know, and if you're gonna be that, you've gotta leverage the same types of thought processes, you gotta leverage the same education approaches, you gotta leverage the same technologies. Let's not try to reinvent the wheel here. Let's try to look at every other industry that exists on the planet and learn from that and stay authentic. You know, if you watch a bourbon commercial or whiskey commercial, I promise you, there's a bourbon in that commercial. It's got that little sassy pizzazz that says we make booze, you know, and it's there they're still leveraging all of what we know from any other marketing channel with any other consumer package. I had a guy that used to work at Apple. and when he said to me, he said, at the end of the day, cannabis is just really gonna be like toothpaste. You know, there's different toothpaste for different things. And it's all gonna be about the presentation that you make from a brand and marketing perspective, whether that's at retail level, or that's at a brand level, that it's just toothpaste. I got his point is that, you know, you, you've got to adopt these, this type of philosophy and approach. And, you know, so that's when we're working with brands and we're trying to expose them to all these consumers that we can reach. And we're working with retailers and trying to teach them how to create a good customer journey. These are the things we try to, you know, to, to portray on people and to, to bestow upon them.
1: Well, I think you're doing a really remarkable job too, because just from all my conversations, both through this podcast and just in the industry in general, you know, it's very clear there's a lot of passionate people and I'm a really big believer and advocate for leaning into your own strengths. So, you know, just because you can grow some really great cannabis doesn't mean that you necessarily have a great brand, right? And so being able to take your strengths and kind of weave it. And unfortunately not everybody who launches a brand in this industry is going to be successful. And I think right. we've seen that happen even as the industry continues to grow, how many new brands are entering the space every day. And so you brought up the cannabis and I wanted to kind of revisit that. Like, I just believe people who are in positions of power You and I, like, I do this podcast because I give a shit about this plant. Like, I want people to think differently about cannabis. And I hope the marketers and the business owners listening can start to adopt some of that, like, giving a shit attitude. Cause, like, yes, you're making a transaction at the end of the day, you're selling a product, woohoo for you. But, like, also you're changing people's perspectives and ultimately connecting them to a very beautiful plant that has a very therapeutic benefits. What I love that you're doing with the cannabis is taking your position of power and influence with Enlighten. And then really giving back to the community. So I saw that you literally drive the bus across the United States. Now I know with COVID, that's probably shifted, but going to different capitals and being accessible for some of these lawmakers and politicians. And even just for the community, I saw that you have the bus pull up to certain, you know, hemp and cannabis conferences and just giving people this tangible experience of one, exploring what the future of cannabis really can look like when you marry the excitement of technology. Like, I think people are afraid of technology because it's like, oh, I'm just a grower. Oh, I just have this idea, but I don't know how to actually go build a business or a brand. And you're saying like, you don't have to go record all this content. Like you don't have to go figure out how to set up your dispensary. Like there are experts and maybe your brand is, you know, a third or a sixth of that pie. That's the magic pie for them. But I just found it so cool that you thought to produce something like that. And then I think I read in one of the quotes from one of the articles, you know, someone was asking, you know, can you smoke on the bus? And of course, in legal states, (laughs) you're allowing people to participate in that kind of experience. But in in non-legal states, it really is this educational piece of, hey, you've probably never stepped foot in a dispensary. You live in, you know, middle city, Ohio, this is what a dispensary could look like. And this is how we can start to have that conversation, which ultimately then shifts people's perspective, which again, ultimately lifts this plant more into the mainstream, which I think is a benefit for all of us involved.
0: Oh, absolutely. And to your point, the bus is a very wide variety of things. It really, to me, is three things. And and that's why I was like, all right, let's throw some money at this. And I don't know if you've been to the realcannabus.com's website, but you get to see what it looked like when we started. And then you get to see what it looked like when it finished. And you get to watch me have a very emotional moment in the middle of that uh, when it was revealed to me after we did all the design work kind on of it stuff. But it's, it's really three things uh, for us one is it's an ability to activate brands so brands will sponsor this bus if i'm going to a major cannabis event or we were going to go to south by southwest before the whole thing was canceled and and the cannabis brands were going to sponsor the bus so they could have a very big awesome presence imagine you're a dispensary and you want to show people your dispensary i rewrap the bus with your name you go in all the digital menus has your name on it all the digital signage has your name on it your dispensary on wheels uh and you know or your zigzag who who has sponsored a porch that sticks off the side of this thing. It's an incredible way to activate your brand. Uh, so that was one thing. The second thing was uh, we felt like so so brand activation. The second thing, which is kind of in the middle, we felt like that you know a lot of dispensaries didn't understand the power that all of the technologies we make can provide to their retail location. And so we're like, since we can't get them to come to us, how is it that we can make something we take to them? It's just too hard to walk into a show and put up a booth or walk into somebody's headquarters with a couple of devices. It just doesn't do it justice. You know, you don't really get to feel it. And we're like, well, let's. there we go. We'll build a dispensary. It'll have all of this technology in it, which actually proved very successful because in california now whenever COVID's over we have several different dispensaries that actually legally want to use it to sell cannabis out of at events because in california you can actually sell cannabis at an event like a beer vendor can at an event and this is a legit dispensary this is the difference between bringing a restaurant or a food truck you know you'd prefer a restaurant so that's that's sort of the ideal. but the other side of that spectrum like you said you were saying about responsibility and power and really discussing being too good Stewards of the industry is that there's a tremendous amount of advocacy that can be done. It goes back to the fact that you know some of these politicians have absolutely no idea what a cannabis dispensary looks like. They they don't really understand how much information's out there. So if I can pull up to the Capitol steps while they're in session. And we, you know, maybe there's a rally there, and then the politicians are kind of almost obligated because of, you know, the people, their voters are there to come check it out. You can just watch the light bulbs go off. Yeah, our eyes get big. Well, this is what a cannabis dispensary looks like yeah this is exactly what a cannabis dispensary can look like i know all kinds of them and all of a sudden their mind changes you know and now we're just down to you know kentucky and texas which i think are in a race to see who'll be the last state to legalize and then about 15 other states so there's not many left you know but whatever we can do from an advocacy standpoint anybody that's listening In a state, if I can change the mind of one senator, then I will drive this 45 foot beast to wherever it needs to go, if that's what it takes, because it's all it's all it takes is one domino begins to fall and others and others go with it. So, so the bus for us is a lot of things. It's a way to activate brands at touch points that really matter. It's a way for dispensaries to see our technologies and how it can evolve their business. And it's a way to, to take advocacy to an entirely new level and say, I think you have a misconception about cannabis. The only reason you could possibly be against it is because you don't know anything about it. That's the only way. So let me educate you. And so it's like the bookmobile on steroids, if you will.
1: That's like literally the coolest thing I've ever heard or come across. So I've heard of it previous to our conversation. Again, didn't necessarily put two and two together. I think I've even seen it rebranded to some extent. And I think when you're getting into brand activations for cannabis brands as well, it just opens up this opportunity of... The future of cannabis, I mean, I've talked about this in previous podcast episodes. It's like such a fact that just like blows my mind and further, you know, illustrates the difference between different states. California is so advanced. They have delivery, super cool. I didn't know that you could have- Yeah, I didn't know that you could operate a dispensary essentially on wheels, which I would be curious. Do you need the license or does the dispensary have the license?
0: The dispensary has to have the license. Yeah, they're just renting our piece of equipment. And by the way, it's not really on wheels because once you pull the slides out, this thing's like 600 square feet. And you could not travel down the road with it open uh you also brought up an interesting point a minute ago to touch on, and you'll find funny. So like you said, in some places, we can't smoke cannabis on the bus and other places we can. So when we're going to put this bus together, I was like, we got to be able to clear the smoke out. And, and so we put in like a $2,000 air filtration system, and I watched a video of this guy, he's the CEO of the company that makes it, they put him in a glass chamber and they shot smoke grenades into the chamber, and he sticks his head down to the vent, and he survives it. So we're like, we'll put that thing in. Uh, And to speak to that thing and talking about consuming cannabis in the bus, uh, we take it to a lot of parties. We were at a party at this recent MJ BizCon um, in Vegas, and we had it at a party. And there were, if I'm a I'm dying, there were 6,000 grams of cannabis consumed on that bus in about six hours. Uh, One of them was a blunt. It was about this big about that big around the guy that had it made us sing it happy birthday before we lit it with a torch i have a picture of me lighting it and i'm choking to death uh but you know if you're a brand this was outside of the party so that there could be a legal consumption point because legally it's a mobile home and so it's a residential thing and it kind of circumvents some laws and there were more people in a parking lot next to the party than there were at the party so if you were a brand on this thing, it was it was just insane. It has to be to be able to consume six thousand grams of cannabis in six hours, which I didn't think was possible, but it was. So it was, it was it was crazy.
1: All I have to say is, anytime you're having that kind of party, I would like an invite, please.
0: Well, hey, just check out the Cannabis' website, and as soon as you can figure out how to solve this global pandemic, then you know, back on the road we go. And there's this just sch- the follow schedule. the bus. The schedule's right there on the bus. You
1: know, you can just check it out. Done. I'll see you at one of the stops. I love that. (laughs) I'll come Uh, pick you up. Yes, even better. I love that. Yeah, what I was going to add to that is, you know, you look at states like Colorado, which obviously lead lead in terms of time to market. Um, But I don't think lead necessarily in technology, but of course, with your business, I think it adds to that technological application. But I think I just read some legislation that they are just now passing that you can offer delivery in the state of Colorado. And it's just very confronting, but very just like helpful to like have that reality check of, okay, and this is the industry that we are dealing with. And so for people listening, again, just Checking state laws and making sure if you are a brand who's activating in different states, selling, marketing, wanting to take advantage of, you know, services like Enlighten, like you need to make sure that you're doing your due diligence too, but then also know that services and brands and people like yourself exist who want to like, and myself, who want to just like help connect consumers to the right solutions because you you can't be an expert at everything, right? And you can't possibly know everything. I think you said another point too, which I'm really loving this conversation because I think you and I think very similarly, it all kind of drives back to that educational touch point. If you can allow a consumer to have a very positive experience interacting with your brand, especially subliminally, they just walk into the dispensary. They get a fact. It makes them feel smart. They leave the dispensary. They go tell their friend, Hey, did you know, the first president was George Washington and he made us grow hemp. Like when I start even passing those facts that are filled up in my brain off to my peers and my consumers, you can see a difference. They feel like they start to own some of that advocacy and it turns regular citizens into, you know, little cannabis advocates. And I really little love teachers it. So, were, exactly. In,
0: in, I know we've talked about all the things that are, you know, bad about the cannabis industry, but here's something I'll tell you as a checkpoint, because, I, you know, I'm constantly trying to figure out what mile marker that we're on. I feel like this is a journey and, you know, everybody's packed in the car. We got our snacks and we're driving down the road. What mile marker were we at? At this point, the vast majority of our advertising revenue is now actually coming from non-endemic advertisers. This is meaning brands that, especially in the media industry, they have shows or channels or whatever, uh, consumer packaged goods brands that make certain types of products. You can probably figure out who I might be talking about. And they're now looking at this industry and saying, okay, it's grown up enough that I don't feel like I run brand equity risk. So here in Lighten, here's a massive campaign I wanna do nationwide on all all 1300 screens or whatever. I want to reach every cannabis consumer I possibly can because I think my brand relates to their interests. And that would not be happening if all of us had not done the work that we've done to make the industry what it is. If they still felt like it was black lights and Jimi Hendrix posters and Jerry Garcia in the background, they wouldn't be throwing the kind of money at us they're throwing at us. And they wouldn't be wanting to do national campaigns that, you know, everyone can see. And so, you know, hats off to all of us in cannabis. We're doing something right because they're moving in, bottom line.
1: You're killing it. It's it's really fun to get to talk to you and to see what your business is up to. And this wraps up the conversation. If there's anything else you want to add, any social media things you want to point to, I'll well, of course, leave it in show notes. But I just want to say a tremendous thank you for what you're doing with Enlighten as well as just advocating in the cannabis space. It's really cool to learn from you.
0: It's nice to talk to you too because I think we're doing the same thing. I'm just doing it in the more northern southern state and you're doing it in the most southern southern states. Right?
1: Yes. Well, this podcast is a good opportunity for us to link arms, join together, and just make another drop in the bucket that is helping educate and destigmatize this plant that you and I both love so much.
0: Absolutely. We need more research, though. Research.
1: I'm actually going (laughs) to Denver on Friday for research. Yeah,
0: there you you go. (laughs) Research.
1: I was going to ask you one more question, actually. I forgot almost, but I like to ask all my guests this. Let's see if you have something to pull out of your hat. You're in so many dispensaries. Is there one that comes to mind that shows off what Enlightened does that you can mention and we can share with our listeners to maybe go check um, out if they're in the area?
0: Oh, man, you're going to try to get me in trouble. That's like naming one of my girlfriends over all the other girlfriends. That's uh, right. got to tru- pick your favorite. <laughs> that's a troubling question. I don't know if I should go there. What I, what I can tell you is that we have a self-service portal that's launching in about three or four weeks, and it will literally contain a list of every dispensary that we're in, and you can check out. I will say as far as adoption of our products, and I can speak to that without choosing a favorite, uh, I think GTI or Green Growth, uh, Green Thumb Industries rather, uh, I believe they've adopted probably the more of our products than most they use a lot of our kiosks they use our digital menus our digital signage these a lot of variety of things and, and i know there's a lot of them so i'm not picking a girlfriend but i'm just saying there's probably like 60 of those throughout in, in different brands that gti owns they've, they've been a big supporter of ours and we've enjoyed working with them but pretty soon there'll be a self-service portal you'll hear about in the press i'm sure and there you'll actually be able to see a list of all the dispensaries so people can go in and check that out but you're trying to get me in trouble i see what you're done.
1: I just want our listeners to have the beautiful experience that I had when I put two and two together that the wonderful displays and kiosks and information and education that i 'm receiving when i 'm in these dispensaries is really attributed to your brand so if you see, If
0: you see a bunch of it it 's very likely us We have about ninety percent of the market at this point as far as anyone that does these sorts of things and so it's if you're seeing kiosk and you're seeing digital menus and digital signage there's a few people out there we compete with but from a market you know position standpoint it's the vast majority of it's ours especially if you're seeing really cool trivia questions, that's kind of our thing people like about us so
1: legit i need an invitation to the cannabis so whenever covid ends if anybody wants to track the bus down with me you'll know exactly where to find me But really, I think that was a super impactful conversation. There is obviously a lot of cool things that Jeremy was talking about that I'm really excited to see evolve as the industry matures. And I know the importance of the experience and educational components to a brand's success. So I think what Enlighten is offering is a solution that allows more brands and dispensaries to take advantage of their expertise. So hopefully you learned some new things. If you did, you know, I want to hear from you. So please reach out on Instagram at the Shaded of or find me on LinkedIn. I really sincerely want to connect with you and hear how you're putting these ideas and conversations into practice. Have a great rest of the week and I will catch you on the next episode. Bye. Love this episode of To Be Blunt? Be sure to visit com slash to be blunt for more ways to connect. New episodes come out on Mondays. And for more behind the scenes, follow along on Instagram at the